Hello and welcome to the podcast, Tech Marketing Trends. My name is Jacob Lovenbrandt. I'm the Managing Director of Brightvision, as well as host of this podcast. And today we're going to talk about a very interesting topic, especially for SaaS companies, since the topic is unleashing hypergrowth, tips for scaling B2B global SaaS companies. And we have a very experienced marketeer with us here today in Janet Jaswal, who is a marketing advisor at the SaaS company CloudBeds. Welcome to our podcast. We're so happy to have you with us, Janet. Oh, well, thank you, Jacob. I'm excited to join and share my knowledge. Um, yeah. I'm based in the San Francisco Bay Area in California and currently advise two companies in addition to recently leading the global marketing function at CloudBeds. Uh, CloudBeds is a vertical SaaS provider in the travel and hospitality space. Um, as a way of background, um, collectively, I have about uh, 20 years of experience in B2B SaaS marketing as a full stack marketer. I've marketed globally at several companies where we targeted customers uh, on multiple continents. So our target customers ranged in size from SMBs through enterprise. And next, I've also worked with um, startups, uh, series A through E, plus public companies such as um, eBay, PayPal, IBM, Infosys, et cetera. And I've also worked at product-led growth companies as well as sales-led growth companies. Fantastic. Well, you're the right person to <laughs> ask how to scale a B2B SaaS company then. So fantastic experiences you have from so many companies. And, and just being in Silicon Valley or with this, you know, SaaS explosion that we've seen over the last 10, 20 years since Salesforce kicked this whole thing off in 1999 is just about amazing. So, so interesting being in the epicenter of that in Silicon Valley. Anyway, scaling, if we start at the top of this topic now, scaling a global B2B SaaS company, that's that's not a small feat, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. A lot of companies fail doing it or trying it. And a lot of, of course, we, we always read about the successful examples. But if we just, you know, start off a little bit, could you share some insights into the key elements for what you see are the successful go-to-market strategies or unleashing hypergrowth whenever you have come across it? And, and you know, a little bit about your ideas and uh, experiences from, from that side. Sure. Um, I'll start at a high level uh, about the approach I've taken to help companies uh, with whom I work with to expand to new countries. Um, it sounds simple, but it's amazing how often companies skip this far. So first, it's about getting super specific about who you're targeting. And so you have to define the ICP, the ideal customer profile. If you don't, you might be marketing too broadly uh, to too many different companies or uh, segments, and your message and value prop is not going to be specific enough. So in the end, it doesn't really uh, appeal to who is truly your buyer. It's also difficult to grow quickly if what you're doing isn't resonating. And so focusing on your ICP is important um, and it takes work. It takes discipline and sometimes ends up taking weeks to months to define. Um, I've seen, uh, again, lots of companies that shortcut this process and, and that's a mistake. And so I'll give you an example of an ICP. So let's say a company is selling um, digital personalization, a, a digital personalization platform. And so their target could be retailers who target consumers 
and have a revenue of uh, maybe more than a, a billion dollars. And they have an e-commerce website that has a traffic of, say, three million a month. And they're located in XYZ uh, country. So that could be an example of ICP. And so as a company, once you've defined that criteria, then it's a lot easier to go find who you should target. And so once you've defined that ICP, you can then quantify the TAM and the SAM. So that's the total addressable market and the serviceable addressable market. And so that way you know the potential for growth and you can plan your resources accordingly. If you know it's large you, and you know what percent of the base you have, you can then say, okay, well, it's going to take this much of an investment over this much time to grow and, and meet a certain percent of the market. And so that helps in terms of getting the commitment. Third, you want to define the buyer personas. And so that means you have to have an understanding of the characteristics of your buyer, what they care about, where they go to get information, who they are, et cetera, et cetera. Plus, who's on the buying committee? So if you're selling to larger customers, you're going to have multiple people at a company that you have to appeal to. If you're targeting the SMBs, you may have only one or two, so then maybe that's simpler. But bottom line, whether you're selling to two or three people or 10, by defining the buyer persona, your marketing program will be much more effective and you won't waste time and resources marketing and selling to roles that don't have an interest or can't influence that buying process. Fourth, you want to do a pilot or a trial of your marketing campaign, ideally in conjunction with your sales and customer success team at a minimum. Um, you want to start with one target segment. So if you're targeting four or five industries, focus on one first. And then you want to see how it performs, how your programs perform, and then make the adjustments after assessing the performance. Then if it meets your success criteria, you can then go bigger because you've taken all of the learnings and now you can grow and scale. If not, you have minimized your time and resources and you can move on to another segment, maybe a different industry or a different country, who knows. But even if you're not expanding to a country, but maybe just a new customer segment, pilot the campaign, evaluate the results. You don't want to invest in scaling through technology or people until you can assess that result. And so once those learnings have, have uh, been put into place, now's the time. Invest in people, the technology processes, and go big. Um, now let's assume that you've created this short list of countries or customer segments that you want to go after. You might wonder what comes next. Well, you need to define a go-to-market framework for that rollout of that, you know, that new product or feature that, that is being targeted to that segment. Uh, the framework that I've often used has been created in collaboration with many departments. It lists the roles and responsibilities of each function for a successful rollout on a country-by-country -country basis or a segment, customer segment-by-segment -segment basis. It lists a criteria for the level of importance of each rollout. So, so not all products or features are equal. Some are bigger than others. So for the ones that are bigger, you're going to do a lot more of user documentation. You're going to examine pricing on a country-by-country -country basis. You're going to make sure that the sales and customer success team are enabled with the right training and tools. And so... You'll do more of that or less, or maybe not at all, if it's a minor feature, 
and you'll do more of it if it's a larger um, uh, segment or a country. And so then that also helps you to determine the level of localization. If you're going out to another country, you have to localize that language, right? So at Cloudbeds, by default, we um, market to three different, uh, well, we market to more than 150 countries, but we always roll out our campaigns in three different languages. So we do Spanish, English, and Portuguese, because for the travel and hospitality industry, those are the languages that are important. It's the, but we very much take that crawl, walk, run approach. Um, certainly, if you're localizing, everything takes longer. But the point is, you don't have to localize all the landing pages, all the emails, the websites, the demos, unless that country in which that language you're localizing is important. Um, so I know I've said a lot, but let me let me give one last piece of advice in that area. Yeah. Um, have an exit strategy. Say the customer segment or the country didn't turn out uh, to um, turn out as as expected. Maybe it didn't have the desired results, um, or maybe a black swan event occurs. Uh, certainly, historically, we've had one of those with COVID. So consider how you would wind down operations and mitigate losses should it not work out to expectations. Uh, but you want to have that exit strategy upfront, not after it, things go wrong. If that makes sense. So interesting. These steps here are really, really profound. Have you have you seen any example where you have seen this come to play and really have made a big difference in the growth trajectory? Yeah. Um, so in the companies that I've worked at, uh, whenever we expanded to a new segment or, or a country, we'd go through it step by step, very methodically, uh, because it was important for that. So now it's almost a habit, as in we always take those same steps. Mm. Some may take longer than others, um, but in all cases, I, I do make sure that I set the expectations up front. Hey, we have to go through these steps. We have to define our ICP. We have to make sure that we know what that uh, addressable market and the size is. We have to go through the buyer personas. Maybe some of these things exist, but even if it does, you want to review it and make sure that you believe it and that the assumptions behind that are still valid. Yeah. Uh, so we we, act, we do that. Uh, the go-to-market framework, I have many frameworks I've used. Certainly we have to adjust it for each product or service for each company, but those steps really should not be shortcutted. Uh, so setting expectations up front with, with, uh, with your peers, with your management, your manager, whoever, is important. So that way the expectations are set up front and they know what to expect. Yeah, fantastic. So interesting. And um, when you do all these for, for every growth segment you find, even if it's a country or an industry, you just apply that different process, do it disciplined and, and you know, step by step, as you say, <laughs> and, and, uh, and you always get to some kind of result. It, 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 of course, can happen that it won't take off in that segment or that country. But, you know, sooner or later, you, you do know so I suppose it's a very smart thing now to go all in before you have tested your grounds and have done your homework and all that. So fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that's where the pilot helps, right? Because you haven't gone, you can't go big unless you know what to expect, right? So the pilot, in a way, helps to mitigate for those types of unexpected events, right? Because it's a small investment you're testing. Now, mind you, all of that does take more time. So rightfully so, a lot of companies grow impatient. They're like, no, no, we don't have time or we're going to do it very quickly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's possible to do a lighter version, but if you skip those steps, it, it really does. Um, nine out of 10 times, again, this is based on experience, things go awry and then you're back to square one and you have to start all over again. Yeah. So, what is, is that? I suppose that's a common mistake that you want to rush it because the company had promised their investors that they should double it this year and you know, with it now get let's get going you know we need to close deals now and so on but apart from that which i can understand might maybe be the biggest <laughs> uh, hurdle in order to to be and keep uh, the process disciplined and structured where do you see the potholes otherwise uh where companies go wrong when when doing this scaling and trying to reach a hyper growth stage, you know, and trying to be smart and and push the sales as hard as possible. Yeah, you know, it 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 it's a balance, right? You, um, I'm not saying okay, we should just you know um, go through this process and sit and do nothing, right? You're, it, we have an analogy which is fly the plane while you're building the engine, mm-hmm. right? And so. You always want to continue to deliver results. Um, so you have to focus on that short term while you are going through the steps that I've outlined, which is really success for the long term, mm-hmm. right? No, con- no company is going to make or break itself by going to a new country and expecting results overnight. It, it just doesn't happen or a new segment, right? So you have to realize that that is going to take some time, might as well do right. But it doesn't mean that in the short term, while you're working on this process, that you're not delivering results. You absolutely need to be focused on, you know, demand gen and delivering leads, um, ideally uh, revenue for the company, uh, you know, by this partnership with uh, sales and marketing. So no one's saying you should sit and do nothing and only this. This is just a process uh, or the framework, if you will, to uh, for long term success. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. And that's that's a good uh, thing, you know. So so push it short-term while building the platforms and making long-term investments and uh, strategies. Do you see any, what are the biggest problems on, on applying these frameworks? You know, do you see companies, is it that they go too broad, as you said? Is, is it a common mistake or where do you see the marketing mistakes happen often where you coach companies and maybe they call you when things go south, you know, <laughs> and so on. So what are the situations where you typically need to help out in order to get the growth going again? Yeah, um, I think it's easy to be optimistic, you know, when you're expanding, you had one or two successes. And so you think, oh, everything will be this easy. And we will have these these great results, right? Um, but but the first one or two successes, so let's, let, let's, let me give you an example. So say you are focusing on, um, the SMB market, right? So small and mid-sized businesses. Mm-hmm. And you get the attention of a large company and um, you're able to sell to them. And so you're thinking, wow, this is easy. I can sell to enterprises, right? Um, because I, I just sold uh, one or two, and I have another one that's interested. It's easy to believe that it's that easy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not. Enterprises require, a, it's a very long sales cycle. They're a very sophisticated buyer. They require a lot of customization. So maybe the first one or two came because they had this need and they didn't care that you you didn't have experience with you know large companies like them. Uh, they just they just had this this need. But it's easy to to believe that the success will be that easy. Well, it's not. And so you need to really understand the buyer, you need to understand that that process, you need to understand their needs 
and your marketing and your sales motion will be very different. And so, you know, initial success doesn't necessarily indicate sustained success. Uh, so I do find that a lot of, of, lot of companies and a lot of CEOs that I work with are like, no, no, it's going to be great. We're going to do this. We're going to go big. And, and this is what I promise the investors. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> we need to have this investment. We need to have realistic expectations. I mean, I'm exaggerating. Uh, yes. but, but you get the point, right? It, it, it's not going to be that easy. You really need to understand their buyers because enterprises search very differently for solution providers than SMBs do, right? SMBs, a lot of them will go on the website. They'll Google something and they'll create a short list. Well, enterprises go to conferences, they talk to agencies and third parties, they look at analysts, very, very different ways for them to, to obtain information about solution providers that could help them. Mm. And so I give you, you know, a very simple example, but it, it's a completely different world. And same thing with countries, right? You can't assume that just because you had one or two successes, you know, the initial success that it'll be that easy. And then the rest of the, you know, you'll be able to acquire more customers in that country just by doing the same thing. Mm. It, it it rarely happens. It can happen, but it rarely happens in my experience. Yeah. So interesting. And that's a very good analogy and, and ex example there that we extrapolate the easy wins and do it way too <laughs> quick and, and don't see the risks and the potential uh, hazards going down a specific strategy. So I think that's, uh, and, and the recipe to avoid that, keep your discipline process and, and apply it and, and prioritize. So yeah, really, really interesting. And, and another question on that topic is, you know, uh, in order to drive hyper growth and try to push the growth as a SaaS company, what team as, you know, you're all at different marketing teams for both big and small SaaS companies. Where do you see what, what cap capabilities and, and experience do you want on a team if you are going to take on this hype growth strategy with a SaaS company? Um, it really varies with the stage of the company. So whether they're series A or they're a little bit more mature as in series E, Mm -hmm. or if it's a mid-sized company or a very large company, right? There's a lot more structure, a lot more processes. Um, so the structure of the team will vary with the size because the resources are limited. The scope is smaller uh, for a smaller company. And so you may have more generalists in a smaller company, um, but whereas with a larger company, you're going to have all of the classic sub-functions within marketing, right? You'll have demand gen, you will have product marketing, content marketing, uh, brand and corporate comms, uh, customer lifecycle marketing, right? All of those classic functions. Whereas in a smaller company, you may have three or four people that are doing a little bit of everything. Mm. And if you're a startup, you know, we, 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 we typically uh, have some startups on here sometimes. And where should you start when you build your marketing department if you're, you know, maybe a SaaS company that have closed your Series A or maybe not have even recruited your first marketeer. Do you start with a marketing manager or a marketing producer, content marketing? Where would you start in order to build that department if you were the CEO of a SaaS company? Yeah. The, you know, the single most important skill, uh, or not skill, uh, contribution that marketing makes are leads. Mm. So it's still demand generation, right? Um, but if you're the first hire, I would hire a generalist. 
mm. a, a director level generalist that does a little bit of everything, but is more uh, product marketing focused, meaning they're not afraid to um, understand how to use the product and what are its strengths and differentiators. Um, so I'll contrast that with someone who has more of a corporate marketing, which is more marketing the brand, uh, PR and so forth. Uh, so I, I would definitely hire somebody that that is more hands-on and that um, even if the product is technical and difficult to understand, uh, we'll do that. Because smaller companies are looking for product market fit. They're not looking to market the brand. They're just looking to be all things to just a few individuals that have a need for that product. But in all cases, that person needs to be a generalist because they're going to do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Larger companies, I usually start out with you know, making sure that I have senior people uh, in each of those subfunctions, right? Product marketing, corporate marketing, demand gen, uh, content, and so forth. Uh, and then let them build out the rest of the team. Uh, but in all cases, the, the, the experienced person will then know, okay, how can I scale that function? I'll, I'll hire people with those different skills that complement each other. Maybe, you know, there'll be some junior people that maybe don't have as many skills, but have that potential. It's because you have to have a balance of, of experienced and lesser experienced people. Because um, there'll always be some work that doesn't require a huge amount of thought, and there'll be always some work that requires experience because uh, to help solve problems that have never been there. So interesting. Yeah. And wh where do you see the biggest challenges going forward for a marketing team in a SaaS B2B SaaS company in the coming uh, future? Do you see any competences or areas? where you really need to invest these days? Um, so the marketing function continues to uh, change. The marketing technologies, um, even 10 years ago, were in the, um, you know, couple thousand. Now there's like 10,000 different solutions, right? Just like the channels that you can activate are growing. There are more social media channels. There are um, many more ways to reach consumers. They're a lot more technologically sophisticated. So it constantly changes. And so the one thing I would say is continue to stay on top of trends, continue to learn and grow. Um, what I hire for is the growth mindset, not necessarily a lot of experience, you know, certainly enough to show that there's potential of this person, but more than anything, I, I hire for curiosity and for someone who wants to learn and grow because the marketing function continues to change and evolve, right? We'll take on generative AI, for example. Mm. There's so much potential for generative AI in marketing, especially in content marketing, where now you can write content faster. Mm. I'm not saying you sh that generative AI should write the content for you. Never, 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 never. Um, but it could help you create an outline it can help you to um, rewrite something, maybe for a social media post. Um, it can help you to uh, refine and translate and things like that. But again, human beings should always do be the last review. And um, but anyway, so that's an example of where generative AI will allow us to write much more content much faster. It's not a substitute for it for an experienced writer, but it does help. Um, automate some of the rote tasks, if you will. Um, but there's potential for um, AI in, in many, many um, MarTech solutions. Uh, so you have to stay on top of this. You have to continue to grow and learn. Mm. 
Yeah, fantastic. So interesting to hear. There's so much to discuss here, and but I know you're busy and starting up your day here soon. So, do you see any trends that we need as B two B SaaS companies or or B two B SaaS company need to focus on when it comes to marketing in the coming year? Do you see any tactical marketing channels or more from a <laughs> marketing production perspective uh, that you think SaaS companies need to be in or try out or or focus on from from a marketing mix perspective yeah you know um so generative ai definitely is an area that i think um you're going to see a lot more vendors that are saying oh we have ai be careful <laughs> um they probably have it on their roadmap maybe they're piloting but it had but the technology is too new for it to have been fully baked um there are exceptions of course but for the most part um it's the new buzzword. It doesn't mean that it has completely been incorporated. So pilot and trial the software. You know, if you've got two or three that you think have promise, try them out first before you go invest, right? Uh, so that's one thing. Second is um, if, you know, the, the recent war, the economic turbulence, you know, the pandemic has taught us is that you have to diversify. So as a marketer, do not rely on one or two channels or one or two strategies um, for you to uh, be successful, right? Um, you don't want to be vulnerable to any one source should they not perform, right? So you want to diversify. And so like for demand gen, um, you know, you have so many channels that are available. You've got paid slash inbound. You've got marketing outbound. You've got trade shows and events. You've got referrals and affiliates. Um, you have marketing outbound. You've got your website. You've got partnerships, you know, so many different sources diversify, right? Uh, one of the things we learned during the pandemic is that when stores shut down, a lot more companies were online. They were doing more digital ads. Well, guess what happened to the cost per lead? It went up. And so by diversifying, you're then able to uh, overall reduce your cost of acquisition and, if, um, and conversion rates, right? Because pay doesn't convert nearly as well as, as organic and direct, right? So you want to have diversification. You don't want to fall in love with any one strategy. And you want to have as many different channels as possible. Uh, and they all develop at different rates. They all convert at different rates. So it, it's a small example of, of, of making sure that you continue to innovate and you continue to um, try different things, right? What I love about the marketing field is you can measure what you're doing. And so you know what's working, you know what's not, and you can improve it. But the second part around the creativeness is don't don't fall in love with any one strategy, right? Measure and examine performance regularly. And then, you know, kind of with whether you're doing um, account-based marketing or whether you're doing a volume game, which would be for SMBs, uh, just make sure you know your ICP, you know your buyer personas, and you, you start small. And always, always, always partner with sales. I have rarely been successful when we aren't uh, partners with sales team, right? Marketing does not want to create leads, toss them over the fence, and sales are like, yeah, yeah, we'll work on it. They put it at the bottom of the list, right? You, you want to make sure that what you're doing is agreed upon, the criteria for what is a lead and what are those conversion rates and how do we together increase revenue, right? The way I measure my marketing uh, teams 
is not on how many leads. I measure them on percent of revenue that we have sourced and retention rates. So what we want to make sure is that what marketing produces converts at the same rate or higher than sales outbound. So that way we're not bringing in customers that are churning very quickly. Hmm. Right. And so in order to do that, you really do, you need that partnership. You need that respect for each other. And you need, if the relationship has to be such that both sides are comfortable calling each other out and saying, Hey, this isn't working, or we need your help with, with this, or we need you to follow up on leads or sales is comfortable enough to say, these leads aren't working. We have to try something different. And so I just threw out a bunch of different things, but these are very, very important. I, I've learned the hard way when those things are not taken care of or, or enough attention has been paid that it, it does not work. It has to be the right hand and the left hand working together. And that's sales and marketing. So true. And so great uh, conclusion here, Janet. Thank you so much for sharing these insights. And it sounds so, yeah. So, uh, so resonates so well with me and, um, yeah, thank you. And I know, you know, if people want to, uh, connect with you or find you or hear more about your content and so on, where can they find you, Janet? You can always connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I, if someone asks for help, I will help. I've also, um, so part of what I'm talking about, I have written a two part framework on, uh, go to market strategies. Um, and so they can find uh, my most recent articles on medium.com. Or they can reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn. Fantastic. So medium.com and LinkedIn, we look for Janet Jaswell. Yep. Thank you so much. And we put the links in the show notes as well for anybody who's listening in. Janet, thank you so much for your time. I wish you all the best in your future endeavors and whatever SaaS companies you might help go to the sky next time. And uh, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. I enjoyed it.